The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Often in um, the teachings of the Buddha, he lists uh, our experience in terms of body, speech, and mind or our activities as being activities of body, activities of speech, and activities of mind. And it's usually uh, the uh, body, which is activities, which are mentioned first in this, uh, these kinds of lists. And part of the reason for that is the physical, physical activities we do, walking, talking, eating, is not only the most obvious to notice, there can be seen by other people. We can, you know, they're much more obvious than uh, sometimes than we are aware of our speech, and certainly uh, can be more obvious than what how we're aware of our mind and mental activities. And in being more aware of them, uh, we also have more choice, more ability to do something about our activities than maybe our speech sometimes, and also especially our minds, that seems sometimes to be an automatic pilot. And so uh, the training in Buddhism begins classically with uh, attending to our actions. And um, because that's where it's easiest, in a sense, to bring mindfulness to and to see clearly. And it's the easiest to have some choice about what we do within our, our actions. So um, here in this, this discourse we're going through, the teachings of the Buddha and the four foundations for awareness, uh, the first foundation is the body. And in the beginning of the body uh, exercises, it has to do with activities. So uh, the first one, breathing, is um, a physical activity. When we sit still, it's the, you know, the, usually the largest activity, biggest activity of the body. And then with experiencing this, the breathing, uh, experiencing the whole body, just taking in the body in whatever way it comes, and then relaxing it, calming this body. And so this body, we might not be able to calm our mind, but we might be able to calm, relax this body to some degree. It's more accessible sometimes. And then, um, and then we're aware of our postures that we're in. And then this third exercise is aware of the activities that we're doing. And uh, these are activities of, uh, that are um, mostly most of, most of them are you know uh, activities involve the the whole body and much of the body and uh, we can observe we can watch we can train ourselves to be attentive to these uh, activities we do setting the ground setting uh, uh, warming up the the mind st- strengthening the mind so at some point it can be aware of something which is much more fickle much more um, slippery, and that is the mind itself. And um, um, so, in a sense, mindfulness activity is preparing the ground for a fuller experience of mindfulness. But mindfulness of the activities, physical activities that we do, uh, has another very important role, and that is that our activities are a mirror for what's happening for us. Um, mirror to see ourselves better. And this idea of our, of our activities being a mirror 
it goes back to the Buddha's teachings to his own son, when the son was relatively young, and encouraged him to use his, his activities of body, speech, and mind as a mirror to understand himself. But he offered particular criteria of what to see in this mirror. And uh, part of the, uh, what we want to see is whether what we're doing is causing harm to oneself or to others. To really see that, this ethical component of mindfulness is really important. And we want to see whether what we're doing is wholesome or not wholesome, whether it's nourishing, whether it brings a sense of goodness and warmth or nourishment to ourselves, or it does the opposite. And then also we want to know if it also brings um, suffering or whether it brings happiness. And um, so these kind of reflections uh, of what's the impact, what's the result of the activities we're doing is part of the, uh, the role of seeing our activities as mirror, mirrors. So it's not simply being aware of the activity in and of itself, uh, which can be quite delicious just to be there fully for it, but uh, as pra- as we kind of uh, develop this capacity for mindfulness, it's also taking in the impact, the influence, the effect of these activities we have. And so when the Buddha talks about full awareness of activities, uh, uh, this kind of using activities as a mirror is important. And then as it's a mirror, we see what we have choice about. So if we're hurrying to do something, and we see, is this uh, nourishing us or not? Then we see, well, actually, we're not being nourished. We're not taking in the full experience and being present in a way that um, it offers some deep uh, su- support for our being. And um, But rather, we're kind of draining ourselves or, or shortchanging ourselves. And this can be, for example, with eating food. Um, <clears throat> to take your time to eat food to take in not only the, fo- the, f- the food properly, but to enjoy it, to take in the nourishment of it, to feel and sense the goodness of caring and maybe someone has cooked for you and, and what it's like for the body to process that food and to take it in. Yesterday I had this delicious soup for lunch that um, uh, I was hungry and uh, it just felt so wonderful to take it in, to feel it, feel it kind of it felt like it was like almost like medicine for my, myself, and it just felt good to be there and present for it, as opposed to uh, you know e- reading emails while I'm eating for, and um, and not really taking it in. So this ability to then make a choice: I'm not going to do emails. I'm going to be there with the soup, um, and just be with that. Rushing, uh, rushing anywhere. Um, you know, if you're driving your car, or you're rushing. Is that the way to be nourished? Is that the way to be benefited? To feel somehow the growth of attention and a kind of a feeling good about being in your own skin? Probably not. Probably rushing takes you out of your skin or disconnects you to some way. So to use uh, uh, the activities as a mirror of something deeper and important for us as we go through life. Sometimes in the teachings on mindfulness, um, the emphasis seems to be so much on certain schools of mindfulness, on just being present for things as they are, to just feel the immediacy of it. And, um, and then there's no emphasis on 
taking in the bigger picture, the impact, the influence it has on us. As we take in this bigger impact, then we can make choices about what to do and what not to do. Learning to do this with our physical activities is also preparing the ground for later when we do it for speech. Later we start doing it for, more importantly, for the mind. The mind is really the origin, the source for our physical activities, our speech activities. And so to get a sense and feeling for what it's like to shift gears, to move into a wholesome direction, to uh, move away from that which debilitates us or um, uh, drains us in the mental activities as well, that's coming. It's much more difficult. But to learn to do that uh, in terms of physical activities prepares the ground and gives us a sense of how to do it. And, and if we do it uh, in a relaxed way, and but it builds and becomes stronger over time, it's like we're developing a muscle. And that muscle at the right time can be applied to the mind. But if we live a, a mindless, uh, uh, mindlessly in the activities of our life, then uh, we're not uh, developing that capacity that's going to be eventually in Buddhism directed to the mind itself and mental activities. And uh, what we'll see as we get into this is the mental activities are quite, um, um, you know, get more and more subtle what we see, but the subtlety of it is not uh, inconsequential. That's where the, some of the core operating principles are for our lives. And so to be able to touch into those and be able to use them as a mirror and have some choice about them, what to let go of and what to encourage, is a very important part of this practice. So the message for today is that um, in training, mindfulness, developing awareness in physical activities, it's phenomenally important for uh, what we're going to do you know, as this mindfulness practice develops and goes on. And you can, uh, you can try this in your daily life, is uh, be present for the activities you do, but uh, not, just, not just the activity in and of itself, but being present as a mirror. So you can, in the fuller picture, you're opening up more in the fuller picture, you see uh, what impact does this activity have, or what is impact does the way you do the activity have on yourself? Is it uh, healthy for you? Is it wholesome? Is it beneficial the, the way you do it? And if not, can you find a way to do it that feels good? And uh, kind of to repeat uh, what I said a few days ago, uh, one of the guidelines for what is uh, maybe wholesome and beneficial is uh, that which is beautiful. To uh, live in beauty, to act in beauty, to, um, to see how to be in the world with beautiful activities. And um, how would you walk down the sidewalk in a way that, not for other people, but for yourself, it was beautiful. Or how would you clean your dishes? How would you clean your, your home? Uh, what would you, how would you go about if the, if the activities you do had the capacity to re- really nourish you, support you, develop something beautiful and wonderful inside? So uh, I'll read uh, one more time this passage. Um, oh no, I don't have it here now. So um, we'll have to uh, do it another time. And um, 
And um, I hope that um, you will stay closely mindful, attentive to the activities of your day and see if uh, how that supports something wonderful, wonderful possibilities for you and for what you can offer other people. So thank you. And uh, we'll do one more day on these activities, uh, mindfulness of activities, and that's tomorrow. And, um, and then uh, Monday we'll start with a whole new orientation on the, fifth, the fourth exercise of Satipatthana. So thank you. <laughs>